Welcome to Heads Up on Money, the heads up you need to make better financial choices. Hi everyone, welcome to Heads Up on Money. Coming up today in episode 28, we talk new year, new you when it comes to your money. Hello and welcome, dear money nerds, to another episode of Heads Up on Money, and this is the first episode of 2024. I hope you all had a lovely Christmas, a nice break, and are feeling fully recharged and ready for the coming year. Now, this episode we're talking about New Year resolutions, and that can be enough to make many people switch off because there's a lot of stigma that goes around with New Year's resolutions in that we set them religiously and inevitably fail to meet them by the middle of January and as this podcast is going out as we approach the middle of January I suspect many New Year's resolutions will now have already flopped. So what I'm going to talk about today is some of the things you can be thinking about when it comes to getting on top of your finances but we're going to do it in a way that just removes a lot of the waffle and ultimately gives you some pointers for things you can stick to. And as the summary is in many other episodes of the podcast, it's about doing little things over a long period of time that can really make the difference when it comes to good financial planning. It's not about overnight successes, setting short-term unrealistic goals. It's about changing your habits, changing your mindsets, And over time, that is what adds up and separates the money nerds from the money novices. So we're going to be talking today about what you should be potentially considering when you draft your New Year's resolutions when it comes to your money. And if I can make this relatable, enjoyable and as free from financial BS as I can, then I've done my job. So before we get cracking, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for all your support last year when Heads Up on Money came to be. I've had a lot of really good feedback, both virtual and in person, from people I know saying they're getting a lot of value from the podcast. They're passing it on to family members, friends, sharing the financial wisdom that I'm trying to impart. And I don't have all the answers, of course, but I am a financial planner in my day job. I come across these things on a daily basis and I know how people feel about money. It's a very anxious subject and it's often because we perceive it to be too complex, too complicated, so we tune out from it and when it comes to the context of New Year's resolutions, probably it just gets pushed down the priority list for people because it's out of sight, out of mind. Well, we're going to flip that in this, the first episode of 2024. We're going to go through some of the resolutions you could be thinking about and ultimately the aim here is to make you feel more positive about your money. So, without further ado, here we go. Episode 28, the first one of 2024. New year, new you when it comes to your money. Let's get cracking. Okay, so, yeah. New Year's resolutions. Love them or hate them. Very rarely have I seen them play out well when it comes to personal finances. Sometimes, when it comes to a new year, people do think, okay, this is the year we're going to get on top of our money. This is the year we're going to feel more positive about our money and we're going to make our money work harder for our current lives and for our future lives. But often, the reason people fall back on this is we set unrealistic goals and expectations. And that's true for often for 
uh, non-financial resolutions, but when it comes to financial ones as well, we set unrealistic goals, we fail to meet them, and as a result, they flop. And before the end of January, we've reverted to our own ways. And often it's because making the concerted change can be a struggle for people. Things become habitual, spending patterns become habitual, and if suddenly you're flipping this on its head and saying we're going to save a bit more into our pension each month, we're going to set up ISAs for ourselves, we're going to set up junior ISAs for the children, a lot of change happening all at once with unrealistic timeframes always fails. I have very rarely seen that happen well for clients. And obviously, if you have a financial advisor, financial planner, whatever you want to call us, then that is their job to keep you in check and hold you accountable. But for the money nerds out there who are doing this alone and working through their personal finance journey on their own, then you don't have that accountability mechanism. So if you don't meet the goals, then you don't stick to the goals. So what we're going to do today is try and make things digestible, manageable, relatable, so that hopefully some of the principles and practices you set in place in January, the start of the year, will carry forward. And as I mentioned in the introduction, these are the things that should be compounding over vast periods of time. And I'm not talking here about investment compounding. I'm talking about behavior compounding. Practices, principles you adopt now that should become really instilled in your behaviors. And if you can just get on top of it now, it will really pay dividends over the long term. And as I harp on about in nearly every episode of the podcast, financial planning done well is a long-term art, not a short-term gain. So what can we get started with? Well, my tip number one is simply just to organise your finances better. And what I'm talking about here is just getting a measure of your financial picture. Organisation is inevitably key. And having a clear grasp of what your typical spending patterns look like can really help to instill good behaviours. So try grouping your expenditure into perhaps three areas. Look at your essential expenditure, things like your mortgage payments, council tax, your regular bills that basically have to be paid if you are going to survive. And then look at another group of items that are your enjoyable expenses, the living expenses, the fun expenses... God, if we were just paying everything into a mortgage and savings investments every month, then wouldn't that be a bleak existence? Group your expenditure into the nice-to-haves, the things about going out, meeting your friends, going to the cinema, going out for a drink, going out for a meal. Group these together and just get an idea of typically what you're spending in that area each month. Then make a final one around the boring things, the things that I harp on about, the savings, the investments, paying into your cash reserves to top them up, paying into... Policies that protect your income, policies that protect the family, policies that pay out if you die, policies that pay out if you have a life in critical illness, policies and pensions and ISAs and investments and all that boring jazz that I love to harp on about. Get a figure on that. Work out what are you paying each month, basically, that is looking after the future you. And then if you've got an idea each month of what these three items of expenditure, total items of expenditure are then you will have a grasp of where the outgoings are going each month. And this can be a sobering exercise because it might alert you to things such as we're spending not enough in the boring camp. We could be perhaps saving a bit more to pensions and ISAs, investments, whatever it might be, whatever your financial plan dictates you should be doing. You could perhaps be directing more of your financial resources into that. Or 
It could be conversely that you're not spending enough on the nice-to-haves, on the enjoying life, because there are some individuals I've seen, they're very proactive when it comes to their finances. They're saving almost an unaffordable amount of their salary every month into long-term savings and investments, and it's great for the long-term planning, but what about enjoying life now? And if you're not enjoying life now, at least a disillusionment and the financial plan crumbles. So it can be encouraging when you do this exercise. It's not always about realising we're not saving enough. I have seen it work out the other way where people are saving and investing for the long term too much of their income and they actually don't need to do it because they don't have a need to be saving that level. Their financial plan doesn't dictate it. So once you've got an organisation of your cash flow, appraise it. Judge, are you on track? What could you be doing differently? And assess, how is it making you feel? And, you know, the indications here are if you are spending more each month on a golf membership than you are saving into your pension, maybe then you need to be thinking about, okay, where are my priorities here? Maybe I should be readdressing this imbalance. And once you've got an idea of your cash flow in the short term, it's then a good idea to get a a measure of your entire financial picture. Get your financial affairs in order. Now, what I'm talking about here is writing it down on paper, itemizing it on an Excel spreadsheet, whatever it might be, just get it down. Because if you articulate it and you can see it, you've got an idea what the picture looks like. Now, what I'm talking about here is summarize. Which bank accounts do you have? How much is in each of them? What are the policy numbers? Where are your savings held? Do you have an ISA? Where are your ISAs held? What's the policy number of your investment ISAs? And just getting a measure basically of your net worth. And the purpose of this is so you can track this going forward and assess are you achieving your goals. When it comes to things like pension products, many people typically in later life will have amassed a significant number of pensions many of which I've seen in in multiple cases, people lose track of pensions. They don't even realise they had this pension. So have it all itemised on a spreadsheet or whatever works for you, just so you've got a measure of what your financial plan looks like. I really like to kind of articulate it, draw a box around it and just summarise this. This is the picture. This is where we currently are. This is where we want to get to. And then you work out, okay, What do I need to do in the interim? And I call that with my clients, the financial plumbing, because all of the crap that I talk about every week, the products, the pensions, tax reliefs, long-term investment compounding, these are all just the financial plumbing to realize your financial life plan. So you want to get an idea of where you are starting, because if you don't have that, how the hell are you going to get to where you're going? So that's the tip number two, just get your financial affairs in order, make a spreadsheet. Then you need to flip it round on yourself and say, okay, this is where we're at. Now, which part of this is giving me the greatest amount of financial anxiety at the moment? Is it that you don't really understand how much you should be saving every month? Is it that you are worried that if you were no longer here, would your family be okay? Is it that you feel comfortable Uh, but you've got children who might benefit from some of your wealth. Now, everybody's anxieties, apprehensions, reservations around their money will be different. So the idea here is try and work out what your number one financial anxiety is. Because this is what I'm talking about, is you need to set measurable goals and not get ahead of yourself. 
if you were to sit down in January and say, okay, we're going to get on top of our pensions this year. We're going to save more of our income every month. Also, we're going to make sure we've got suitable policies in place that cover our children if we're no longer here. And if one of us passes away, make sure that the spouse is going to be okay. But then we also need to be thinking about an inheritance tax and making sure that we're giving enough to our children, but not depleting ourselves from enjoying life now. And you'll get the point. It quickly becomes unmanageable and therefore the goals slip. And before you know it, your financial resolutions are thrown in the pile of your general resolutions, such as dieting and exercise. So let's make this manageable. So I want you all money nerds after this podcast just to work out what is the main financial anxiety you're having and then start to research ways and means of plugging that. Take it in small incremental chunks. So for example, if you feel like you don't have enough tucked away in a rainy day fund, then rather than setting a target of, okay, we're going to get to 10 grand in a rainy day fund by April, I'm not sure how we're going to do it, we're going to have to live like monks to get there, no, flip it on its head and say, okay, by the end of January, we're going to put £250 into our rainy day fund. We're going to do this once we get paid so that we remove the temptation to spend that money and then we're going to make that habitual. And in February, we're going to increase that by another £50, by March, another £50. And before you know it, these small steps add up. So what happens if you are a money nerd out there and you simply don't know where to start? Where should we be directing our attention What is the priority when it comes to financial planning? Well, I've covered this in other episodes of the podcast, but just to reiterate here, there's an acronym that I do like to use, and I really dislike acronyms when it comes to personal finances because it just confuses people, but this one is understandable. It's BED, B-E-D, and I always say this to my clients, if you're starting out in your financial journey, the first thing to do is make sure you have got any bad debts paid off. So that is the B in the acronym. So if you've got any expensive store cards, credit cards that are accruing eye-watering levels of interest, get that cleared first of all. That's your number one priority. Otherwise, that is just going to be a chain around you that pulls you back and prevents you from achieving your long-term goals. So number one, B. Second letter, E, have an emergency fund. Now this, there's no simple answers to how much you should have in an emergency fund. It's personal to you. It's often a function of what your comfort level is, typically what your expenditure patterns are. Typically three to six months of your regular household expenditure should be in an easy access liquid account. And what I'm talking about there is not going chasing fixed term accounts or longer term investing in the stock market. We're talking here about just having that cash tucked away, accessible, should you need it. It's not an investment. You're not wanting to grow that money. Obviously, that's an advantage, but that's not what you should be pursuing here. It's basically ease of access and peace of mind. So second thing in the priority list, E, have an emergency fund. And the third one, D, is have a disaster game plan in place. So what I'm talking about here is obviously if you were to be out of work for a long period of time, if you were to suffer an illness, if you were to pass away, then it would make sure that the financial plan around the family doesn't impact And obviously there will be a raft of emotional baggage around these life events, but you want to make sure that the life plan, the financial life plan is robust. And so many people, as I've mentioned, go into things at the other end of the spectrum and they start thinking about dabbling in the stock market. They start thinking about inheritance tax liabilities and setting up complex trust arrangements when they don't actually have any disaster game plan, insurance policies underpinning the financial plan. And 
Typically, people fall into the trap of thinking, oh, we've got a bit of savings tucked away. That will do the job if the proverbial hits the fan. But you need to think about those savings, those investments were earmarked for another purpose. They might be a retirement pot. They might be a gift to your children in the future. They could be getting them in the property ladder. Whatever it might be, they had an intended use. And if you don't have a disaster plan in place underpinning everything, those will be pulled into the game and you will lose those funds because they will get spent. And the objectives that they were there to serve will no longer be met. So critically, BED, put these three things to bed first of all, and that is the foundation of any good financial plan. And only then do you start to think about investing in the stock market. Do you think about ISAs? investment bonds pensions whatever these products might be and some of them are just absolutely marketing ploys aimed at charging you high fees you don't need to be complicating things here I really advocate that with my clients keep it simple stupid k-i-s-s there's another acronym for you so this is what you should be thinking about when it gets into 2024 organizing your priority list and just tackling the number one priority first So wherever you are at on this ladder, if we call it that analogy, if you've got your bad debts paid off, you've got an emergency fund in place, but you've no disaster game plan, that's where you should be focusing your attention. If you've got all of those covered, you've got good plans for expenditure, you've got appropriate cover for the family, you've got surplus income that you could be using to better effect for your future life, then you can start to think about investing. So you direct your attention and your goals into investing. But if you're right at the start of this ladder and you've got none of this in place, get the priorities in place first of all. Target your bad debts. And only once you've achieved and ticked that off, do you start focusing on the next. Don't sit there today and make a vast 2024 financial resolution list. Because I can promise you, unless you are incredibly focused, determined, and you hold yourself accountable, if you're ticking all of those three things, carry on. But I would wager that you do not tick all three of them, especially when it comes to something that's often as dry as personal finances. Okay, how was that? Hopefully fairly manageable, not too overwhelming and not something you're just going to ignore. Let me know how you get on, where you're directing your attention to. Reach out to me. I'm really keen to hear what resolutions you've got in place. You can find me on Twitter, on Instagram. Just follow the links in the show notes. And best of luck to all of you with your 2024 financial resolutions. And if you keep listening to the podcast, by the end of this year, we're going to have covered a whole raft of different topics. You will, by the end of this year, be an absolute certified money nerd and you'll know more than the majority of people out there. So thanks, as always, for listening. If you have got value from this, please leave me a comment. Please rate and review the podcast, share it with your friends, spread the word, and we'll get this out to as many people as we can. Thanks again for listening and I'll see you next week. Goodbye for now. (music) Thank <music> you.